prepare to experience the strongest radio allowable by law. Secrets will be revealed. Myths dispelled. From the studio gym where excuses never apply. It's Superhuman Radio with your host, Carl Lenore. Welcome back to another episode of Superhuman Radio. Really good show today. I am shrinking, Carl. I haven't been to the gym in two months, and I don't feel good. And I've lost a lot of muscle, uh, but it's going to be an opportunity for me to uh, break out of this uh, slothful mold and uh, do something wonderful very shortly. Uh, We have a really important show today. We're going to be talking about beef. Not all beef is created equal. Everybody focuses on whether it's grass-fed, and I get it. What you feed a cow uh, plays a big role, but uh, there are certain cows that have uh, better genetics than others, and we're going to get into that in a minute. Before we start that, I have to, of course, thank our title sponsor, Legendary Foods, uh, makers of the Tasty Pastry, which is basically a Pop-Tart upgraded, less than one gram of sugar, nine grams of high-quality, high-leucine protein, uh, three to four impact carbs, tastes like delicious, just the way you think a Pop-Tart should taste. Your kids will love it. Uh, go to eatlegendary.com. Use the code SHR for 10% off the entire purchase. Make sure to check out their nut butters, which are also insanely delicious and have no added sugar. And of course, their seasoned nuts, uh, which I love. So check them out. They're our title sponsor, eatlegendary.com. Let's bring my guests on. We're being joined by uh, Ben Mole and uh, Joe Finnegan, how you guys doing? You know, doing really great. Can't complain when you're living in Nebraska. Yeah, I know, right? You don't have uh, near the problems that the rest of the country has right now, right? How's the weather? Are you getting a, a lot of rain right now? Yes, it, uh, it rained throughout our whole holiday weekend for the most part. But, you know, living in, in an ag state, you know, you, you, you don't risk trashing the rain too much. You know, the crops need it. Uh, the grasses need it. Uh, my lawn needed it. So, uh That's- we, that's the running joke is, you know, being heavily ag-based, it's you never curse a rain. No matter how much your grass is grown, it doesn't matter. Right. No, see, I just bought a new motorcycle, and I've, I've only been able to ride it a handful of times, which really makes me sad right now. But, uh, yeah, I know. It's been, I just did a show with a meteorologist because I asked, has, has COVID-19 shutdown had anything to do with the weather? And he thinks not, but I think it has. I think that the, the lack of radiant heat, the lack I – mean, you know – New emissions of CO2 are down by 30% globally right now. now that, I, I, I say that's got to have something to do with it. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. I digress. Uh, we're here to talk about beef. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, this journey about beef that we're going to talk about comes from my home country in Italy. Uh, and that is uh, the Piedmont region of Italy, which gave uh, birth appropriately to a unique type of cow called the Piedmontese breed, which you guys uh, exclusively raise and sell. Talk about the Piedmontese breed, first of all, a little bit. What, what should people know about it? Why is it genetically better than just about any other breed out there? Yeah, so the Piedmontese breed is unique in the fact that it's uh, one of two breeds um, that have a consistent inactive myostatin gene. So they're producing large amounts of muscle, very little fat, uh, but the specific allele variation of 
the gene in the Piedmontese breed. Um, the technical allele is the C313Y gene, uh, and that directly correlates back to the tenderness of the finished beef product. So let's talk about tenderness for a second, because this is a little something. I actually uh, have a lot of background when we talk about myostatin, um, because I first started talking about it on the show probably around 2006 or seven, And then I had Dr. Sejan Lee on the show, who was the guy who discovered the myostatin gene and hoped to... He had hoped to be able to rid us of uh, a variety of muscle-wasting diseases, but it, it hasn't worked out. But so interestingly enough, uh, especially in the, in the area of animals, we see certain animals that uh, are myostatin null, and either, as you point out, they have uh, one or both pairs of the, the gene. These animals, uh, they put on two to three times more muscle weight than a comparable non-myostatin uh, gene-altered companion. But interestingly enough, the soft tissue, which really isn't soft. We call soft tissue soft tissue, but it's really not soft. It's smooth tissue. It's avascular, but it's anything but soft. The soft tissue in a myostatin null animal uh, seems to uh, be recessive in that these animals are more likely to snap a tendon or a ligament because for two reasons. Number one, the sheer muscle force that they're able to generate with these bigger muscles. But also there seems to be less soft tissue infiltrating into the muscle. Now what this means to people is more tender meat. So it's really an interesting uh, phenomenon. Now the the folks uh, in the Piedmontese region and the uh, 1700s into the 1800s, they started to breed these cows with other bulls that seemed to have more muscle. And what they actually did was, through hybridization and breeding, was they selected animals who happened to have this myostatin variation and bred them with other animals that had this myostatin. And they ended up with very, very muscular, very, very strong cows but that gave delicious milk and had tender meat because these these were utility cows they, they they bred these cows and bulls out of utility they wanted a cow that could pull a heavy cart so it had to be strong give delicious milk and when the time came to uh, process the cow delivered an amazing steak and that is exactly what drove this breed. Now, this breed has not been available in the United States for a long time, right? When did when did they first start breeding them here? Well, I mean, it started up in Canada and eventually became a little bit more popular or grown more heavily in, like, Montana. But really, I mean, we are the first company to actually make this a, you know, more regular, you know, purchase product. Uh, we're the only producer that can have a 52-week supply of our beef and be able to service, you know, your grocery stores, have an online store, where a lot of other Piedmontese producers might have 10 cattle a, a year. Um, to where, like I said, we're really the first company that's put the investment in it to, to really have full herds of it and be able to produce every week. And, and I want to get that out now while people are watching. So we're going to tell people about a very, very unique off, offer that they can get today uh, through the show. And that is, uh, let me see if I can find this real quick here. Um, if you use the code SHR and go to piedmontese.com, you'll get two 
10-ounce New York strips free with any purchase of $50 or more. So you don't have to spend a lot of money to take advantage of this. Everybody who has started to eat this beef, including me, I will tell you that I will never eat any other beef because nothing tastes like Piedmontese beef. Nothing. And I I don't care who you are. You may say to yourself, well, I'm not going to eat this all the time for whatever reason. But you're never going to say, I'm not going to eat this all the time because it's not the best tasting beef I've ever tasted. You're going to have to find another reason not to eat it. Because I just got a call this morning from my friend Billy Mitchell. He says, man, I don't know what it is with this steak. He said, do they inject it with butter? (laughs) You know, it's got this amazing buttery rich flavor. But it's like even typically tough cuts like sirloin are super tender when they come from the Piedmontese cow, right? Yeah, and you brought up, I mean, the sirloins are obviously one of our, our big favorites. And the reason we wanted to make the, the strip kind of the, the nice offer for all, all the listeners here is I think that really showcases what Piedmontese is all about, is that you can have uh, a New York strip. You know, if you cut off the fat strap on it, it's actually would be certified heart healthy by the American Heart Association. Um, but it's it's lean. Like you're going to, if you look up at our product photo of it on our website, I mean, you're not seeing a lot of fat. And how many people have been told throughout the whole life, no fat, no flavor. It's going to be tough to where our strips, you know, that's the perfect product to showcase how tender and flavorful our beef can be without needing all that fat. And, and then when you, a lot of feedback we're getting is that when people are like, holy crap, that's really great. And we like to tell them, well, that's just real beef. You know, you're not getting a lot of fat flavor from it. You're not getting some of the antibiotics or hormones that come with other treated animals. Like you're getting a taste of real beef. And that's why people like are so surprised by it. So uh, I, I want to say this, but I'm hesitant to say it because I know there's a lot of people who love Wagyu beef. But I think of this as the anti-Wagyu beef because Wagyu beef is basically a sick cow. It's a diabetic cow that now has uh, fat infiltrating its muscle. And this is a healthy cow. This, If you were breeding an athlete, a la- athletic cow that was going to go to the Olympics – to perform feats of strength and, and, and stability that cows do, the Piedmontese cow would be your Olympic choice. The oh, Wagyu yeah. cow would be sitting in the audience watching the Piedmontese cow, enjoying popcorn and drinking a beer. Yeah, so I mean, that's exactly right. And while there's different you know, grades of, of Wagyu out there, you know, not every Wagyu would be uh, you know, A5 or, or highly marbled. I mean, the breed itself can produce some some leaner cuts, but obviously no one is paying for that. So, I mean, there's just more money in it for the producer to, to get up into those A3, A4, A5 ranges. Um, But then these people, you know, obviously they want the Wagyu, the breed for the, for the fat and the perceived flavor. Um, Well, but you're spending twice as much as you would for our beef uh, for even being premium beef, but you're paying it for fat. And then, yeah, when you're done eating it, you still have 20% of what you started with on your plate that's inedible or, or just, you know, disgusting. Yeah, because not all the fat on a Wagyu steak is edible. That's the other thing. People think that, that uh, oh, the, the, you know, and I've had steaks where most of the fat was edible. And if it's mm-hmm. if it's seared right, it's kind of that, got that crispy. It's almost like marrow. You know, it's soft. It, it dissolves. But the majority of the fat is rubbery and not edible, and you're paying for that. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I've, you know, as a, as a treat once a, once a year to have really great Wagyu, you know, we're big supporters of, of all beef. Um, you know, everyone's got their, their preference on there. But, you know, for me, it's like a once in a, 
once a year type of thing. Um, but you know, I've ate so much Piedmontese over the last few years. I don't really have interest in, in having any of their products. And even there, I don't even buy steaks at restaurants anymore. Not obviously, you know, they have high margins on those items, but the way I cook them at home being such a inherently tender, flavorful steak, you know, it's just cheaper and, and more tasty for me to cook it right off my own pan or, or grill. Um, I'm a very simply seasoned guy, so I'm usually just just salt. Um, I think produces the best flavorful steak out there. Um, every once in a while, I'll jazz it up with a little sauce. But yeah, you don't need, you don't need much. You don't need much. And I, tell you, Carl, I don't know if we've sent you one yet, but I've been buying our strip loin roast. They're a five-pound roast that I've been cut into my own New York strips. And to be able to, to cut your own steak, to be your own butcher, whether I want a 10-ounce portion um, or a, a 20-ounce to, to – show stuff show boats to my friends it's been really fun to to have those in my freezer and cut up as i'm i'm a very simple guy i love ground beef and there's a couple reasons why i love ground beef number one you can actually be precise on how much fat you want in your meal number one and mm-hmm. i slow cook almost all of my beef even when i grill it i grill it at a very low temperature and i want the center of the of the meat to still be red and even a little bloody, if I, and it's actually not blood. But we call it blood. Blood. It's actually myoglobin, but mm-hmm. we we call it blood. So you know, we'll go with that. But I, I like a little red juice in there. But I also have this thing called the Hot Logic, which is a um, which is a lunch box that cooks your lunch for you. And I'll throw a pound of uh, a Piedmontese ground beef in there, the the eighty five fifteen. And I'll throw a little salt on top and white pepper. I love white pepper. White pepper is so much better than black pepper for flavor. Throw a little broccoli in there, plug it in, and right after my show, I open it up and I eat that. And it's slow cooked and it's so good. It's so delicious. I love ground beef also because it's already chewed for me. You know what I mean? I mean, when think about it, right? We, we, we talk about bioavailability, right? We talk about, oh, you know, mastication. Well, here's meat that's already been chewed. I'm going to give it another once over and I'm going to swallow it. I'm going to extract more of what I want from that beef out of ground beef. What do you think? You think I'm crazy? No, no, not, not at all. And, you know, we have like a lot of our shoppers off our website. I mean, they're buying cases of our, of our ground beef because it's so good. It holds on to moisture so well. Uh, but, you know, obviously, you know, not all ground beefs are, are created equal. When you're talking about a commodity beef program, and I don't know how, you know, familiar everyone is with, you know, what commodity beef is versus, you know, a, a heritage breed or premium uh, beef line that we raise. But when you start with premium beef and the way we raise our animals, you're automatically going to get a better ground beef. I know that sounds dumb when you think everything's just grinded up and, and served away, but when you're talking about our products coming in all naturally, um, you know, untreated, that finished product, that ground beef is top notch. And, you know, we have some of our, you know, our ground beef going into some of the best burger chains uh, in this country. Um, you know, they're paying more for it, of course, too. Um, but like I said, they, they know you can't get that flavor. Can you can uh, you tell us which chains are using it? Yeah, so one of the, the bigger ones we have is, is more on the West Coast, um, is a chain called Hop Guys. So they have a few locations in Texas um, as well as Arizona. Um, but yeah, they're one of the bigger ones taking up a good chunk of ours now, and they've been really great to work with. Um, I need to have one myself. I haven't been down there yet. Um, so, so what is it? What's the name again? Hop, hop daddy. Hop H O P daddy. Oh, I the like daddy. It. Oh, oh, okay, okay. 
And so, and so they do they advertise that their meat is from Piedmontese cows. So we're starting starting to get some, some menu placement. It's kind of a unique part of our business when you're when you're retailing beef directly to restaurants. You know, you're not always going to get restaurant brand on, on the actual menu. So you know, you could be reading and you see Nebraska raised beef, and that very well could be ours. But um, you know, the restaurant tries to make the best market. Uh, ploy to, to attract their customers and we're slowly you know becoming such a popular breed name um, that it is becoming you know more poignant for these folks to put that on menus um, but you know some of the people are so confused about cattle breeds in this country um, it, you know it's, it's very interesting to actually talk about when you know wagyu beef wagyu is the breed angus angus is the breed piedmontese obviously then you know, is, is the breed itself too um, but as we are, are growing and, and as our customer base is growing um, we're becoming that that big brand name uh, that people know. That. You know, I, I have a good friend uh, I'm going to send the show to. My good friend Joshua Moore, who cooks over at Volari Italian Restaurant, which is Elisa and I, my favorite restaurant to go to. In fact, the first restaurant we went to when Louisville finally opened up restaurants again was Volari the other night. Mm-hmm. And Josh has cooked for the heads of state. I mean, he's a, he's a power lifter. You know, he's a guy that I see in the gym all the time, but he's an amazing – he cooked at that uh, be- something Beard's house in New York that is famous. Like you get invited to, to James Beard house or something. And I'm going to tell him about the Piedmontese beef because it's, it, it's perfect. It's, it's, Italian, it's Italian origin of beef. He needs to be serving this uh, at, yeah. at Valare. So we like to say, you know, this, an Italian breed, so Italian heritage perfected here in Nebraska. I like that. You know, like that. Um, you know our – our owner's been over to the Piedmont over there in Italy. And, you know, Piedmontese beef in actual Italy is not raised the same way it would be here. And we were getting them a better Midwestern Nebraska treatment to the whole production. Well, so we expound on that. So so how would they be raised in Italy versus what we do here in Nebraska? Well, I think for us, I mean, obviously the accessibility to, to more, you know, bigger pasture grass, you know, they're not on any rocky landscapes, you know, but, the mid people in the Midwest, as far as the whole production is just so much better than it would be in most parts of the world. As far as just the science of, of how they're, they're, they're weaned, then they're, they're raised and then finished and all the way off into production. So, I mean, um, our entire process is so not, or laser focused to produce a very consistent, um, and beautiful finished product. And, you know, when we put our nutrition, and that's why we have nutrition labels on our, our packages is that, we're so confident that that 10-ounce New York strip is going to have this much fat, right. this much protein, um, that, you know, not you're not going to find that uh, with many other beef programs. And, you know and what? I, you know what? I'm sorry. Go, Joe. Joe. I was going to say that's why we've made such a big splash within, you know, that uh, weightlifting, bodybuilding realm because, you know, you're getting an all-natural Nebraska-based beef product with half the fat, calories, and saturated fat. And because of the leanness of the meat, a higher protein content, and you're getting a steakhouse quality piece of meat. So it's like, I mean, from those, from that perspective, from a macronutrient perspective, um, we're unparalleled in, in the industry. You know, I, I didn't think about it until you said that, but you're right. Your nutritional label has all the breakout in it, and you don't see that when you buy a steak at Kroger's or something like that. Yeah, and it comes to our, like, once again, our program, because, you know, if you're talking about some other commodity programs, I mean, cow one coming through the pipe might be a little bit of a, of a fatty um, as opposed to someone who might have been leaner. But, you know, being that we're running our own program and we're saying when these cattle need to be processed, 
do these cattle need to be held back or for whatever reason? I mean, even with this this pandemic, you know, and, and having a little bit slow in the production process, you know, we can keep these cattle more in pasture lands so they're not getting fatter. They're, they're still working, um, burning some calories. They're not just getting fatter and fatter to where now you're ending up with huge, heavy carcasses. So, I mean, we have so much control over our, our program and how they're produced that every everything that comes off it is extremely consistent. Um, but once he, you pay more for it, and obviously our procedures uh, that give that you know, consistent product, I mean, it comes at a cost, but, I mean, we can't sacrifice on that. But, but who's eating commodity beef today, especially like it? So, okay, they're gonna, people are going to say, but, Carl, you go to Wendy's something. Yeah, there are days where I didn't bring anything with me and I'm hungry, so mm-hmm. I'll go to Wendy's and I'll get four quarter-pound beef patties and I'll eat that. But that's not my choice. It's 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 better than eating Popeye's fried chicken, you know what I mean. But it's mm-hmm. not it's not it's I know that I'm making a sacrifice by doing that. But that's yeah. not what I eat when I'm eating what I want to eat. When I when I eat what I want to eat, it's always going to be animal protein and and seafood protein mm-hmm. that is uh, that is is raised as closely to it would have been had it been a free range natural animal. Yeah, and processed humanely, mm-hmm. you know. So the animal's experience in life and death it honors the animal. You know, I'm a hunter, and a, a friend of mine who we've lost since then, Terry, um, he taught me when I was a young man, and I make medicine over a deer after I shoot it. And this is something that Native Americans have taught us to honor the animal. You sit, you stand over the animal, and you say, "You were a good animal." You, you, you had a good life, and now you're going to nourish my family, and we're going to carry your goodness on with us. It's just a way of respecting the sacrifice that the animal has just provided to offer us sustenance. It's just a way of honoring another being. It doesn't have to be a human being. It could be an animal. And when you look at the way cows are processed in some of these CAFOs today— it, it, it's, it's horrible. Like that, that is where the problems are. And if you buy commodity, if you buy commodity beef, I'm getting animated. If you buy commodity beef, you're contributing to that problem, basically, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, you're right. And like I said, you know, and certainly no knock against the, the producers that, that, that have beef in those programs because the commodity programs exist for the people who, you know, that's what they can, can afford. And it certainly has a necessary uh, part in, you know, the global food chain. Um, but, you know, and it's just that next, for the people who are really conscious about what they're eating, willing to spend more money for it, certainly that's where the big differences come in. And and for us, the way we raise our cattle, I mean, we're big believers in the regenerative farming and that our cattle roaming these open pastures here in Nebraska, you know, as they're eating the grass and the grass regrows, I mean, there's some environmental benefits from doing that where they're not kept in in packed pens, you know, tooting all day long, uh, putting gas into the air. That's not really... Uh, you know, how they spend their life by any means. So, I mean, that's what, really when you come into to our programs and being an individual producer, we have those luxuries. And obviously in the winter, we're not letting the cows roam the far reaches of our pastures in icy or snowy conditions, but um, they're still treated really well, um, even in the cold, harsh, cold winter. And obviously as you transition that all the way to the finished product, um, you know, where we're doing you know, a few, very few head each week, these commodity programs can be doing four uh, over 4,000 head a day. Um, and that's where you see some of this, 
you know, a couple weeks ago when they talked about all these plants closing down. I mean, that's when it becomes significant when it's four to 5,000 a day all of a sudden being slowed down to where, I mean, we're not meet, meeting those on a, you know, a yearly level. So, I mean, it's just, that's the difference. It's and you, and you have no, you have no problem supplying beef to, the, to your buyers. If someone goes to the website, piedmontese.com right now and uses mm-hmm. a code SHR, they're going to get two free 10 ounce New York strips with any purchase of $50 or more. If they place that order, they're not going to get an email saying, hey, you know, uh, we're back ordered. We're going to ship this to you next week. But the order goes out, right? Yeah. So everything that's on our website currently is is available to ship. And uh, anything on all orders over $99, we actually have free shipping. Um, and how we have our pricing on our website, it's it's really easy to hit that number because you're ordering in increments, you know, four or six. Um, so, you, you know, you can kind of stock your freezers accordingly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you get those two free New York strip steaks with the SHR code. And, uh, you know, everything's available and ready to go. And it's a two-day turnaround time. Yeah. We have a few items in, in the early stages of, of the people kind of flocking online to shop where we, we ran out of. But, you know, we have supply. It's just getting it processed, produced, and prepared for shipping. So we had a, a – it's always funny what, what items become, you know, the, the trendy ones uh, – our 96 foreground beef um, was the most popular item on our website, which really surprised me. I thought our 8515 would have been strong. But, you know, one week it was our flat iron steaks, and the next week it was our rib cap steaks. And, you know, um, it's just interesting trying to keep up with those demands. But, yeah, we've been able to, you know, if we had to pull down the rib caps for a week to get our next harvest through, you know, but it still takes, you know, 10 days to get those ready to be shipped. But um, what's really nice is, with our program, when we produce for our online, so not our retailers, um, where they're getting fresh product, when we produce stuff for our website, I mean, it's brought in, fresh as can be, it's portion and it's frozen immediately. Right. Um, so you're just keeping all that that freshness in there, flash frozen, and then you, to use it any time throughout the year. Joe, I always enjoy him because he fishes steaks out of his freezer that might be two years old, but I mean, they still eat like you bought it yesterday. Yeah. And I'm like that. I got, I got deer meat that's five years old right now that I'm, I keep threatening to make chili out of, but yeah. Yeah. But you, but why, but you know what? You don't have to throw it away. You don't have to throw it away. It's still good. Yeah. So for us, I mean, that backseal packaging, I mean, as long as if there was a small little pinhole in there, you know, you'd see freezer burn, but I mean, for the most part, if it's got a great seal, which, you know, steaks too, I mean, you can keep that in there for forever almost. Um, but like I said, my favorite part is that I don't, I honestly trust myself buying a frozen product, especially from a company like ours, because at the retailers, it might be sitting there for four or five days. Right. You know, and then once you see that, that sales sticker, and I've been guilty of that before, see that sales sticker, oh, that's a great deal. I'm buying it. Well, that's because it's getting trashed tomorrow. Right. You know, but as a younger buyer, I didn't always know that. I was like, oh man, it's a, a screaming deal. I want it, but. I mean, that steak is not as, as close to being as fresh as I could have gotten online. Especially when they have, you know, those those beautifully red steaks, you know, that are in the package with the overwrap. You know, what are, what are they doing? What are they putting in that packaging to, you know, sustain that red color? Well, uh, I, I, so I, I often think that they put something on it that makes it redder because you can see the whiteness of the of the fat is has a red cast. It's like... That's not just myoglobin. They're smearing something red on that steak to make it look redder. Yeah. And so, I mean, gas pump, I mean, sometimes it can be to help protect the packaging or help protect the product. But sometimes it is to help sustain the color because no one's going to go to the grocery store and buy grade meat. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the great color is the result, 
result of the purge of the myoglobin in there. Um, so it can still be fine to eat, but just not as marketable. Um, or, you know, people aren't going to obviously marry. Do you find it interesting that few people know that it's myoglobin and still call it blood? So I'm funny you actually brought that up because right before the, this call, we actually were sharing about that here in the office because, you know, we we'll, we get that occasionally, um, you know, where someone might have had it on a pan and it just kind of bled out. But, you know, the, well, it's not blood, folks. It's just a, a natural, you know, protein water, essentially, that's red from, from those. Uh, in fact, in fact, that is what causes rhabdomyolysis. When too much of it comes out of the muscle at one time, it literally clogs up the kidneys. It's myoglobin, and that's how you really know. Cre- oh, sorry about that. Hold on. That the, the the system is telling me I got to go to a break. So that that actually is um, myoglobin that clogs up the kidneys, not creatinine. And this mm-hmm. is where most physicians get it wrong because if you're a hard training athlete, your creatinine levels can go through the roof. But you don't have rhabdo because your myoglobin isn't clogging up your kidneys. And until doctors start to – I did a whole show on this because people think they're getting rhabdo and they're not. They got something else. And myoglobin is what you need to look at to see if you actually have rhabdo. I want to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I want to talk about grass feeding. I want to talk about water consumption because there's a big misunderstanding that I want to get out of the way that people on the – uh, vegan side of the fence love to say, oh, well, it, it takes this much water to raise a cow. And this, I want to point, shoot some holes in that whole thing. And then I want to talk about a porterhouse steak. Uh, and, and your freezer, uh, what do you call them? Freezer fullers? You have a, people who want to, yeah, yeah, I want to talk about that because that, a lot of people want to buy a half a cow, a quarter of a cow. They can actually do that with you, can't they? Yeah, absolutely. We're glad to talk about those. We real love those and, and the, the, Service okay. that uh, comes with. So, All right, so, so stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more from, from the guys at Piedmontese.com. Check out the website. We'll be right back. I love beef. And if you love beef, listen up. I've discovered the best tasting beef in the world, and that's not an exaggeration, at Piedmontese.com. The Piedmontese breed is famous from Italy for being lean and unbelievably tender with half the fat and calories of traditional beef. Even typically tough cuts are tender when it comes from the Piedmontese cows. And for the first time ever, Piedmontese cows are being raised here in the USA. Get two free 10-ounce New York strips when you purchase $50 or more at Piedmontese.com with code SHR. Go to P-I-E-D-M-O-N-T-E-S-E dot com and use code SHR today. You will never eat any other type of beef ever again. Ever wish there was a precise way to gauge your recovery from workout to workout? Or wonder if the money you're spending on your nootropic supplements are actually improving brain function? Maybe you're aging and you're noticing some changes in memory. Wouldn't being able to really test your brain be of great value? Well, now you can with great accuracy with the Brain Gauge. The Brain Gauge lets you test essential components of brain health and track your brain health history and all in the comfort of your own home. Go to gaugeyourbrain.com and use code SHR for $150 off this amazing device that's gaugeyourbrain.com and shr for 150 off 
You've heard about blood flow restriction training since 2006 on SHR, but you're still on the fence. Well, here's the push. BFR is more effective at building muscle than anabolic steroids. That's right. I went there, but it's because it's the truth. My experience with the B-Strong blood flow restriction system is proof to me, and now I'm asking myself why I waited so long. You'll see undeniable changes in the targeted muscles in days and weeks like nothing you've ever tried before. I will never stop using them. Give B-Strong a try. Go to bstrong.training forward slash super hyphen human and use code SHR for 10% off. Whether your goal is to build muscle or burn fat, you'll find everything you need at Redcon 1. Need help getting a good night's sleep? Try Fade Out or the most popular pre-workout supplement on the market today, Total War. Sign up for their new transformation challenge and win $10,000 or shop for apparel that people at the gym will know that you are serious about your training. Need a testosterone booster that works? Check out Boomstick. Whatever you need, you'll find the best quality supplements on the market at Redcon 1. Go to Redcon1.com. That's R-E-D-C-O-N, the number one dot com, or go to superhumanradio.net and click the Redcon 1 banner ad today. Hey, this is Carl. For 14 years, you've heard me talk about Can-See Eye Drops, and they being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at now 61 years old. But I regularly get emails and messages from people who've been using Can-See and having some amazing results. Recently, I got an email from a fellow named Chad, who, because he was on dexamethasone eye drops for over six months, developed a cataract. Can-See Eye Drops actually reduced my cataract to the point where even my doctor has a hard time finding it. I will never stop using Can-See Eye Drops twice a day. I've been using them since 2008, he says. And you should be too. There is no better way to keep your eyes healthy and seeing clearly than can see eye drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com today and get on board and we will both be looking into the future with very clear vision. You're listening to the Superhuman Channel. We're ripped and we're ready. Welcome back. We're talking with uh, Ben Mole and uh, Joe Finnegan. Oh, I'm watching myself on Instagram. <laughs> I'm like a chimpanzee. I see myself and I go, oh, that's me. So uh, we're talking about this uh, wonderful breed of, uh, of cow that gives us some amazing beef. Uh, beef that I will never, ever uh, choose not to eat any longer. Talk about uh, feed. Grass-fed. We hear a lot about grass-fed. Are, are, are your cows all grass-fed? Are they finished on grass? Does it matter when we talk about the Piedmontese breed? Yeah, no, I'd say it's, it's a great question. and comes up in, in nearly anyone who calls into our, our website. So, you know, with our program being, you know, keeping it, sticking to our breed of cattle, being a lean but tender beef, we don't corn feed our, our cattle here in Nebraska. And I think Generally speaking, even globally, when people think of Nebraska cattle or Midwest cattle, they immediately associate it with corn fed. Um, and while there are some programs out there that, you know, do it that way, all of our cattle are, are grass fed. So um, we have three product lines, um, but all of them are still grass fed. They're just not all grass finished. Um, so with our, our core product line, uh, they're grass fed all the way up until the last uh, 60 to 90 days before harvest, um, where then they're introduced uh, grains and foliage. Um, to basically maintain a healthy, balanced weight to get to the finish line. Um, but that's not our intent to sit there and load them up with a bunch of fat because you know, we want that lean product. It's just to, once again, be more be a balanced diet. So could be a mixture of distiller's grains, um, other grains, not like specifically just here's some corn for you, everybody. 
Um, but then we also we have a, a grass-fed, grass-finished line of, of cattle as well. And we are making significant investment in that area because we know how hard it is to find grass-finished beef here that's actually produced in the country. Um, you know, a lot. If anyone here is familiar with some of our online competitors, if they're or supporting a you know monthly beef membership of grass-finished beef, that beef is not coming from the U.S. You know, uh, and they very openly share that it's coming from Australia, um, which once again can be a fine, healthy product. But a lot of the environmental aspects of having grass-finished beef benefit Australia and not the U.S. You know, then also spending time in, in boats and freezers um, and trucks and you know, complicates their decision. And Carl, too, I'll, I'll touch back a little bit further on that. You know, we grass-fed, we, they're grass-fed, you know, they're out on the open pastures. And then for that, you know, 90 to 120 days of finishing period where grain is introduced, that's almost where, within that finishing ration, that's where that buttery taste characteristic that you described, you know, really develops and takes place just with that very minimal introduction of grain ration introduced into their diets. Not exclusive, like Ben mentioned. But just that so they're they're still grazing, but now they're supplementing with grain, is what you're saying? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So you know they've got hay, barley, alfalfa, distillers grains, and then other foliages in that finishing ration. So it's not just cold turkey. Here's a switch. Right. You now it's just a slow introduction into that ration. Yeah. And for us, it's it's all part of kind of science because you know we need to keep them at that kind of consistent weight so we finish with consistent products. Wherefore, simply trying to go for you know, a lot of fat in the animal that, you know, then you might be harvesting sooner and or later than you would uh, traditionally want to. So for us, it's that healthy diet to uh, result in a consistent cow every single time. And I would be a little remiss if, if I didn't, you know, mention and thank, you know, all of our ranchers and, and those in our production department, because, you know, without them, you know, overseeing the, the production of, of the cattle every single day, you know, who, who are we? You know, we're, we're your farm-to-fork producer of one of the most efficient sources of red meat protein on the market, but we can't do our jobs without them. So, so they do a great job. So let, let's talk about finishing for a second. So the, the farmer that I used to get my beef from, uh, uh, Amish uh, guy, uh, Mennonite, I forget which one. Well, I forget which hat he wears. But anyway, he, uh, he told me that you can tell when a cow is ready to be processed because they have these – right next to the tail, they have these two – concave let's say divots and that when those fill up that is when the the cow is at least this is what he tells me he does when those fill out and they're not concave anymore then the cow is ready to be processed and it takes longer for those to fill up or fill out when the, the cow is finished on grass is there any truth to that it might, it might be for how he raises his cattle, maybe more <laughs> based on, you know, gut feeling or, or just years of doing it. Um, you know, for us, you know, it's more like we know when these cattle are ready based on, on the time we have brought them in uh, to our program, how long they've been fed and how old they are. Like I said, for us, um, it, it's pretty rhythmic. Um, so much like in the chicken or, or hog industry, like they can nail down from, from birth to harvest on like a hog within a week of when it needs to be produced. Really? That's where you see some of this, um, you know, news headlines of, you know, these farmers having to get rid of all these, these pigs because they're now they're too heavy. Well, it's because that industry is, is almost just down to a day of when it needs to be harvested. So it's a lot of science and years of practice and um, kind of results in that. So for us, I know our guys aren't out there checking those divots, but, uh, there certainly could be some truth to that without a doubt. 
Yeah, it's interesting to know too because you you look at the round category from from a Piedmontese animal, and I wonder how soon those divots you know would would fill in. That's what I was thinking because when you look at these Piedmontese uh, cattle, their muscles protrude. They don't have that that gaunt looking sulcus of a rear end. They actually have big round muscular butts, and when you look at the bulls, I mean their their butts literally come down to their hocks. I mean, that's how muscular they are. And so I was thinking to myself, like, you couldn't do that with a Piedmontese breed because like, they, they called them horse pump in Italian because they, they didn't look like cows. They look like horses. When we think about horses rippling full muscles, you know what I mean? Big round butts. These cows look like horses. So they named them horse pump cows. Yeah. Yeah. Like I say, it's, it's always when people see that big muscular cattle, like there's just no way that that meat is tender. And that's just always interesting when you come back to the genetics that it's all tied into to those Piedmontese genes. And yes. They're genetically tender. They're genetically tender. That, that myostatin uh, variant actually makes the meat more tender. And mm-hmm. people need to understand this is a genetically gifted cow specifically because they wanted a strong cow. That would give good milk, but when it came time to process it, would give delicious beef. And that that this yeah. is literally hundreds of years of breeding to get to this point. Yeah, and we actually, um, you know, a few years ago, um, we put uh, some more science to the testing of our tenderness. To we actually used our university here in the state of Nebraska um, to do what they call a shear force testing. So it's a, a how much pressure needs to be applied to a piece of meat to, to cut through it, uh, and our beef being lean uh, actually tested to be uh, just as tender or more tender than prime grade beef. So we went uh, tip for tat on that and, and put prime grade and, and Piedmontese and the same shear force testing and we were able to produce those numbers. And, you know, I, I do think that there's some truth to the USDA grading system when you're talking about commodity programs um, to where they are looking at that fat. But I mean, really it, it's more of a marketing uh, gimmick, um, because it's no science applied to it. It's just more visually looking at fat. Say, oh, yep, that's prime. You know, but obviously it does not apply to us. So, you know, we don't apply for USDA grading because it would do a disservice to our, our breed because, you know, you're not going to see that fat. But that does not mean it's not tender. Uh, and obviously you see the same thing with Wagyu programs is they don't have a need to get USDA graded because, I mean, there's just all that fat in there as it is. So we can ask that question a lot is, is, is how does your state grade? And, you know, we're not, you know, shying or scared or scared from getting that grading, but it's just it, has it doesn't no apply. It doesn't apply. And it so we, we, get, we find that quite a bit. And well, so visually, like while we would, uh, you know, compare it to, to choice as far as how the it looks. Um, yeah, we're all just, a, you know, just as tender as prime. And that's what's so crazy and fun about this product. So tender. And even the 96.4 ground beef. I mean, you taste like you're eating. It tastes like you're eating ground steak. It's well, I mean, so it's, it's it's a ground whole muscle. So I mean, it's it's not um, you know a bunch of carcass cuts in there. You know, right. it's, it's basically the round just chopped up, and uh, it's been like it's been the hardest thing for us to to keep up. So everyone um, who's been ordering lately, I mean, we're producing that on a weekly basis right now to to keep up with that demand of that ninety six four. We have a lot of people who ask if we have you know bison meat on our website, and, and while we do, um, we tell them well, actually if you're looking for leaner beef. 
Like our 96 floor is probably the best in the country. I was just going to say, people go to bison because they want lean, but this beef is lean already. You don't need bison. A couple of things I want to talk about now and after this next break. Um, half a cow program. So people like to buy half a cow because you get a, a good price on it. You guys actually offer that program, don't you? Yeah, so we, we came out with that recently, um, and there's a lot of benefits to it. And so, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, like when you're buying from, from Piedmontese here, you know, we're not a, a meat market. You know, we're not buying and selling brokered beef, you know, as some of those other big state companies here in this country. I mean, you're buying direct basically from the rancher. I mean, we own the ranching company, Monkey Cattle, so you're buying beef directly from us. And we've cut up that middleman to then obviously focus on keeping the cost low. But when we sell these half of what we call freezer fillers, I mean, these are all, all individually back-sealed and frozen. So traditionally, when you're buying that half of beef from, from the locker, you're getting butcher paper and tape, you know, which certainly, I mean, can protect the meat. But when you're talking about putting it in your bunker, uh, you're not going to get a whole bunch of shelf life out of that. And I think we all – and then it's unlabeled, so you're out, what's even in there? Right. So you unwrap it, and you get this big uh, block of freezer burn. Um, so with ours, indiv- individually back-sealed, frozen, labeled, uh, and sta- I mean, can stack nicely in your freezer. Um, but we have two different levels. Um, our, our new one, our presidential freezer filler, has over 60 steaks, um, two chuck rows, just because we all love chuck rows here, um, and then 48 pounds of ground beef. So what's great about that is you're not getting a lot of ancillary throw-in cuts. Um, you're getting, like, the best bits off the animal here um, to really balance really any meal out. And then we build all those with a built-in 20-plus uh, percent discount. Wow. That's and that's, that's the interesting thing, too. When you go to your butcher and get a side of beef, you know, a lot of folks think, oh, that's a great idea. But then they get it and they say, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do with all this ground beef? Like, I thought I'm going to get more steaks out of the deal. Um, so with that, that freezer filler that Ben mentioned, um, you know, you're getting double, if not triple the amount of steaks you would as From- if you would go to the butcher and get a side of beef. So, uh, you know, a deep freeze is fairly inexpensive, uh, you know, for people who don't know and have never shopped, if you if you shop around, you can get uh, one of those reach in, not the not the stand up ones, but you can get a reach in deep freeze for seventy five, eighty dollars. Oh yeah, and so we we got a lot of people who buy go out and buy one used, but I mean, I think now to, in today's age, especially with God knows what's going to come next, you know what's but, but you know what I was going to say is you need to reach out to a free deep freeze manufacturer and get them to cut you a deal with a coupon. So when people buy the freezer filler, they get this coupon. They go down to Home Depot. They pick up their deep freeze. That would be a strong selling point and that you don't have to ship and stock freezers, but people can really go, oh, and then, and then they'll just keep filling it with every year or every six months. Right. Just- we get a lot of people who are working with you know apartment freezers, and they want to buy a, a freezer filler, but like, oh, my God, I would, wouldn't be able to fit it in there. So it certainly has come up quite a few times. And there are a lot of people who have bought them and shared them with friends or family. Uh, but, you know, we've taken care of the packaging. They all ship for free, which is crazy. Um, so you're not wow. spending 100 bucks to have it shipped to you. But, um, like I said, they've been really great. Um, and, obviously, we're very popular over the last few weeks. Um, but, like I said, yeah, it's just so much good value out of that with, you know, good beef from your, uh, you know, right from the farm makes it to all the better. Uh, I want to take I want to take our last commercial break. When we come back, I want to talk about water for a second because a lot of people buy into this lie that it, 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 it raising one cow. You know, there's this. Uh, I'm going to find it. I did a blog post about five or six years ago. I'm going to find it. But it, there's a big lie going around that 
uh, raising a cow requires more water uh, than growing soy. It's exactly the opposite, and I'm going to show it to you. I, I, I did this blog post probably five, six, seven years ago, and the statistics are strong, and they all come from universities. I didn't make this stuff up. I want to talk about that when we come back. If you're listening to the podcast, if you go to piedmontese.com, P-I-E-D-M-O-N-T-E-S-E.com, and use the code SHR, you'll get two amazing 10-ounce New York strip steaks with any purchase of $50 or more. It doesn't get any better than that. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. I love beef, and if you love beef, listen up. I've discovered the best-tasting beef in the world, and that's not an exaggeration, at Piedmontese.com. The Piedmontese breed is famous from Italy for being lean and unbelievably tender with half the fat and calories of traditional beef. Even typically tough cuts are tender when it comes from the Piedmontese cows. And for the first time ever, Piedmontese cows are being raised here in the USA. Get two free 10-ounce New York strips when you purchase $50 or more at Piedmontese.com with code SHR. Go to P-I-E-D-M-O-N-T-E-S-E dot com and use code SHR today. You will never eat any other type of beef ever again. Quest Nutrition makes bars, cookies, chips, and pizzas out of complete dairy-based proteins. Our products minimize net carbs and sugar without sacrificing taste. Each delicious chocolate-flavored chip, cookie chunk, and crunchy crumble is custom-made to maintain Quest macros. It's time to enjoy foods that work for you, not against you. It's time to enjoy your Quest. Imagine if you had a digital twin, one that you could compare your own health and fitness outcomes to, one that showed you whether or not the things you're doing, food you're eating, or drinks you're drinking are actually working for you or against you. Well, now you can. The first ever advanced epigenetic saliva test that compares 20 million different data points of your DNA to help predict what is aging you faster or keeping you younger is being introduced to my audience at a 70% discount from the normal price. Go to seeds.md slash epigenetic dash test today to learn how to get your own digital twin that will help you take the steps to live longer and stay stronger. Don't wait because this is a limited time offer not available anywhere else. Once these tests are gone, they're gone. Again, go to seeds.md slash epigenetic dash test today to learn more. You've heard about blood flow restricted training since 2006 on SHR, but you're still on the fence. Well, here's the push. BFR is more effective at building muscle than anabolic steroids. That's right. I went there. But it's because it's the truth. My experience with the B-Strong blood flow restriction system is proof to me. And now I'm asking myself why I waited so long. You'll see undeniable changes in the targeted muscles in days and weeks like nothing you've ever tried before. I will never stop using them. Give B-Strong a try go to b s t r o n g dot training forward slash super hyphen human and use code shr for 10 percent off do you remember those delicious toaster pastries you had when you were a kid? You know, the rectangular sugar-filled snacks? Well, guess what? Legendary Foods has just made low-carb toaster pastry. This is the first of its kind, and honestly, these things are amazing. They have three to four net carb, less than one gram of sugar, and nine grams of protein. You can eat them right out of the wrapper or lightly toast them. 
The only question is, which flavor? Strawberry or brown sugar cinnamon? They're available at eatlegendary.com and Amazon. This is the Superhuman Channel, doing reps with the weight of the world. Welcome back. So, I wrote this blog post. Let's see if I can get it up here. Hold on. Why soy is unsustainable and beef is better for the planet. And I wrote this post, let's see how long ago. I wrote it in uh, 2016. It's already got 10,416 reads. It's only six minutes long. Go read it if you haven't. Because I cite... Every university that I got the information from, the reality is that that people never take into account when they talk about water consumption and growing crops versus water consumption and feeding animals is that cows drink still water. They drink water from puddles. They drink water from creeks. They drink water that is on the ground now and that doesn't need to be replenished because when it rains, it replenishes. But, but when they have to water a crop, if, it, if, there's no, if there's no rain, you can't go to a puddle and pump it. You have to bring water in, and usually it's going to be clean water. So number one that they never take into account is that cows drink still standing water that anywhere that it is. That, that's water that's never going to be used by anybody except maybe mosquitoes, right? Number two. When they talk about the land that it takes to raise cattle, guess what? Nobody plants corn on a hill. But cows will walk up a hill and eat all that grass. So this nonsense that it's unsustainable to raise beef is a lie. When you look at the numbers, and I, and go to that blog post. I'll put it up one more time. You can search for it. If you search for superhumanradio.net and the words why soy is unsustainable and why beef is better for the planet, you'll see... That raising one acre of soy takes more water than raising one entire full-grown cow to processing. But more importantly, that cow could feed a family of four for a whole year. You can't feed a family of four from that crop of soy for a whole year. So this, this whole argument about, about uh, oh, we got to stop raising cattle are actually good for the planet. They, 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 they serve a purpose by the way that they eat and they poop. We're not talking about the uh, 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 Ocasio-Cortez farting cows that seem to be destroying the, the environment. We're talking about regular cows that lead regular lives. But this nonsense that it takes a lot of water to raise a cow and it's not, it's not, uh, it's not environmentally uh, effective is, is a complete lie. And they just hope people will just keep re- re- repeating it. And I think that also adds to the allure of Nebraska beef is, is given our landscape um, and, and just overall terrain. You know, once you get out to the western part of the state, there there's more cows than people. Um, but also uh, there's the Ogallala Aquifer, which is one of the largest underwater aquifers in the world. Uh, so our cattle have access to some of the purest, um, you know, water available anywhere. Uh, from that overall aquifer. And, and furthermore, uh, we have um, some farm ground where we actually grow the crops that our cattle eat uh, as part of their feed. Uh, and we're in the process of, and it's, it's some of the most fertile farm ground in the country, actually. And 
um, all of our neighbors monocrop corn year after year because the soil is so fertile and it has so much moisture in the soil. Uh, but we're converting all of that corn into uh, rye and millet so we can grow our grass-fed, grass-finished beef production. So all of our neighbors are kind of like, kind of raising their eyebrows, laughing at us, like, what are you guys doing? Uh, but that's just a testament that, you know, we're in business because we have this such a unique breed of cattle that, you know, they're going to take us where we want to go rather than monocropping corn after corn after corn. And isn't it true that technically if you feed the cow the corn stalk and all of its attachments but not the ear of corn, that that's considered grass? That I don't know, and, and I know that, um, you know, the distiller's grains, you know, get ground up in that as well. Um, so that is a that is a common I guess, feed full forage for them, but uh, I don't know the, the technicality. Check, check into this, because I'm almost positive what I'm saying is correct. So technically, a lot of these uh, grain crops, if you feed the cattle the the plant itself, that plant is considered a grass. And so it's it's a lot of people will say, these are grass-fed, grass-finished cattle, when in fact... It may be a plant, not the kind of grass we think of, yeah. that is technically a grass, just without the grain. Uh, the grain has been harvested and used for something else, and, and that plant stalk is actually considered grass and makes, makes for very, very good, uh, uh, good yeah. feed. I mean, if, you, if anyone here is from Nebraska or drives to Nebraska, it would be very common to see cattle out there grazing um, and harvested cornfields. Um, you know, with our business and our farms, you know, we are strictly growing grasses to feed our own our own cattle, so we don't have enrollment in, in cornfields. Um, but, so, yeah, we're, we're focused on our grass-finished beef coming up, and, you know, hopefully within the next two years, even have an, a non-GMO line of grass-fed, grass-finished wow. beef right here from Nebraska. That will be The unique part is that it's going to be all raised within roughly 40 miles of where we sit today, um, you know, that this is all done in, in, in Nebraska. Um, you know, there's no big beef company here in, in the state that everyone's pretty familiar with, but, you know, good luck finding out where that beef's actually coming from. Um, you know, we couldn't be more proud that we have a, a direct hand in raising our cattle um, from all the way to birth, birth to harvest right to our customers' uh, doorstep. And ultimately that's, I think, where we're continuing to, have a lot of growth and we really enjoy talking about it and having people try and experience it. And, and for any of your listeners out there, I mean, they can always call in. If they call our customer service line, they're likely going to get Joe or myself. <laughs> uh, we're happy to, I mean, obviously make right on anything that may come up, but offer, you know, uh, some cooking advice, uh, share a laugh here and there or whatever it may be. But um, when you call in, it's a pretty, pretty small team that, that handles you know, all of our customers. And our so technically, what is a porterhouse steak? I think I know what it is. And do you have Piedmontese porterhouse steaks? So the answer is yes, no. Um, so the porterhouse, I mean, is usually the reference to how big the actual fillet is on the on, on a standard T-bone. So um, when you T-bone and porterhouse, essentially the same steak, New York strip fillet uh, met together with the bone. We'll classify it as a, a porterhouse, and Joe, correct me if I'm wrong. It's over an inch and a quarter width. Of the fillet, if it's bigger than that, it then becomes a porterhouse. Okay. Um, so it's really just the size of the fillet. And, and I, isn't there a weight? Isn't it got to be 32 ounces total between the New York, the, the bone and the, and the fillet? 
So we go off of the, the North American meat processors guidelines and their specifications, and they just look at the tenderloin side as being, you know, a half an inch is a minimum for a T-bone and then inch and a quarter for a porterhouse. So thickness doesn't really lend itself one way or another. Although, um, you know, you don't really see very many 18-ounce porterhouse steaks. No. You know, so, so they, they do tend to, you know, cut them thicker. Uh, but we don't actually um, specify the difference between the two. Our T-bone is 28 ounces, so it's about an inch and a wow. quarter inch and a half thick. Uh, and most of them, you know, would classify as a porterhouse. Uh, but then the other thing to, to kind of take into account with a porterhouse is, you know, if you're getting that really, really thick tenderloin, uh, there's a good chance, a really, really soft, strong chance that uh, your New York strip is going to have a vein running through it um, that, that does not taste good. It doesn't cook down, doesn't cook out. So it's going to have, you know, a really tough three or four bites on that New York strip side. So, uh, that's between the T-bone and the porterhouse because, uh, we don't cut or we don't serve steaks that have that vein in it. So you've got to, so you got, you got to go a little bit uh, thinner with it, but the reality is it's thicker than the average T-bone. So Correct. what you're serving. So every, they come in orders of two, and traditionally you're going to get uh, one bigger uh, filet and one that's just a little bit smaller, but they're both still banging steaks. Um, and, and certainly big ones. The Fowler steak coming up, that'd be a nice one to have. Um, you know, to me, I, I, why I certainly enjoy bone-in cuts. I'm a, whether I'm buying a roast or cutting my steaks myself, I like control of, of of the steak that I'm getting, so it, uh, I don't I haven't eaten much T bones myself, but they're certainly good. Do stuff. you have? Do you have? Uh, do you, I know when I tell Josh over at Valari about this, I know he loves to put those tomahawk ribeyes on the menu. You have tomahawk ribeyes? Yeah, we do. So okay. it's such a nice steak because traditionally, if you on social media, you see a lot of tomahawks out there. They're so fatty, you know. Like yes, so you're paying a lot for them. They're big and beautiful, but ours, you know, you're still going to get fat. It is come from the rib. There's still going to be fat in there, but. You're, when you're buying our tomahawks, I mean, it's like 80, 85% meat. Um, and so you're just going to eat a lot more of it, and it cooks down so well. Um, we actually have a really great uh, gift box on our website called The Taste of Italy. It's a little playoff of the Italian heritage, but it, it includes a tomahawk as well as samples from our filet, sirloin, New York strip, and ribeye. Um, so it's a great sample product to really see um, how this Italian breed raised in Nebraska can, can perform. Uh, and that one's on sale as well. And the beautiful thing about the, the T-bones and the tomahawks is it's, you know, a steak for two, and then the tomahawk could be steak for two, three, or four people, depending on appetites. Right. So it's, yeah. you know, you're, you're yeah. making if, one if, steak. If, if, if you and I were sitting at the table and they put that tomahawk down, we'd have to fight because I, that would be mine. <laughs> I'm not sharing yeah, that with um, anybody. I'm not sharing it. Either, Carl, but I, I was just <laughs> smoking it. Um, for like a 225 for like 30 minutes or so, mm-hmm. and then pull it off, get the grill ripping hot, and then sear it right at the finish. Mm. And it'll be perfect every time. Again, I'm getting hot. I'll a lot of salt because it's a lot of meat to season, um, or finish it with some salt. And um, it is a, a truly a great birthday dinner or a nice summer's evening dinner. Um, certainly crowd I'll also add very quickly here, too, that we're always adding new things to our website as much as we can. And so we're really excited about a few products that were coming to the to the website here shortly with our uh, Picanha, which is a traditional Brazilian steakhouse cut, um, as well as our Manhattan New York strip steaks. So it's going to be like a center cut New York strip that's fully denuded or has no fat on it. 
Uh, and those are going to be um, beautifully thick steaks that, that are going to go perfect on any grill or barbecue. Excellent. So I just want to say to the audience, and if you're listening to the podcast, the website is piedmontese.com, P-I-E-D-M-O-N-T-E-S-E.com. The coupon code is SHR. You'll get two delicious 10-ounce New York strips for free when you order $50 worth of product or more, which that's easy for anybody to do. Uh, and, of course, uh, these are sponsors of the show. And as I've been saying for a de- over a decade now, they make the show possible. They allow me to bring the content that those of you who love to listen to the show have. So show them some love. Check out the website. Order some product. I promise you will not be disappointed. And that's that. Guys, thanks for being here today. Thanks, Carl. I'm going to take one quick commercial break. When we come back, if you have GERD, uh, I am going to tell you a secret that I discovered and possibly help you get over your GERD forever. And if you know somebody who has GERD, You'll want them to listen to this part of the show. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Men and women, you've heard about hormone optimization. Do you feel like it's something you want to look into? RenewLifeRx.com is the place to start. Their doctors can help you with the solutions. RenewLifeRx.com has a simple process for lab work, consultation, and taking a deep dive into where your hormone levels can be improved. Superhuman radio listeners get 30% off your initial lab work and consultation. Go to RenewLifeRx.com to schedule your no-obligation phone consultation today. Feel younger, get in better shape, and be more productive. At RenewLifeRx.com. Are you a fan of the low carb lifestyle? Having trouble getting fat adapted on your keto diet? Feel like your digestion has stalled? Now there's Capex. Capex increases fat loss and energy on any low carb, no carb diet, all while improving digestion. Capex boosts AMPK and muscles by 52% and fat cells by 300%. Capex increases ATP in your liver by 22%, a key part of energy production, all while revving up the fat-burning hormone adiponectin by a whopping 248%. Nothing works like Capex, and now you can get Capex for up to 42% off by going to kenergize.com slash SHR and choosing one of the purchase options and using the code SHR. That's K-E-N-E-R-G-I-Z-E dot com slash SHR and code SHR. New Mass Pro Synthogen X2 just upped its own legendary game to distance itself even even further from the rest of the pack, Synthogen X2 now has double the key active ingredients. If you've ever wondered what steroid-like recovery feels like, Synthogen X2 delivers. See why others compare it favorably to powerful bodybuilding drugs at Synthogen.com. Mass Pro Synthogen. When you train with it, you'll gain with it. Ever wish there was a precise way to gauge your recovery from workout to workout? Or wonder if the money you're spending on your nootropic supplements are actually improving brain function? Maybe you're aging and you're noticing some changes in memory. Wouldn't being able to really test your brain be of great value? Well, now you can with great accuracy with the Brain Gauge. The Brain Gauge lets you test essential components of brain health and track your brain health history and all in the comfort of your own home. Go to gaugeyourbrain.com and use code SHR for $150 off this amazing device. That's gaugeyourbrain.com and SHR for $150 off. Quest Nutrition makes bars, cookies, chips, and pizzas out of complete dairy-based proteins. Our products minimize net carbs and sugar without sacrificing taste. Each delicious chocolate-flavored chip, cookie chunk, and crunchy crumble is custom-made to maintain Quest macros. It's time to enjoy foods that work for you, not against you. It's time to enjoy your Quest. 
Spit that out right now. This is the Superhuman Channel. Welcome back. So, a lot of people have GERD today. A lot of people have it. They call it heartburn. Some people, they, oh, they just learned to live with it. I have a good friend that I've been talking to who literally, just about every time he eats, a couple hours later, he literally has to throw up everything that he ate. We're starting to learn that a lot of people who have GERD, it's not just the results of a failure of the esophageal sphincter. So it was originally always thought that the esophageal sphincter fails, opens up a little bit, and lets all the gastric uh, contents come up into the throat and cause the heartburn that we associate with GERD. But there is now evidence that people who have GERD actually have another phenomenon, which is called slow digestive motility. The food just doesn't seem to move out of their stomach. It just stays there. It's not being digested properly. It's not moving down. And sometimes taking enzymes doesn't fix the problem because it's not a matter of the enzymes in your stomach breaking down the food. It's a matter of the, the stomach and the uh, intestines doing what they do best. It's called peristalsis, right? It's like, how do you squeeze a tube of toothpaste? You get at the bottom, you squeeze it up so it comes out of the hole here. Well, your body does that about every hour and a half. Your intestines do this thing like a snake where they squeeze rhythmically and push stuff down towards the colon, push stuff down towards the colon, move the food along, move the food along. And it starts in the stomach, quite frankly. Well, People seem not to have this phenomenon occurring. It could be from a variety of reasons. There's some evidence that uh, 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 that the um, uh, vagal nerve plays a role in this. There is some evidence that things like um, uh, gut bugs, I'm trying to think of one of them that's very popular right now that people always talk about, um, Certain yeasts, certain gut bugs seem to slow down digestive motility. I'm starting to wonder if coffee has an effect of on, on di- digestive motility because a lot of people are developing this problem. And sometimes the only common things that they have uh, in, 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 with each other is that they all drink coffee or something like that. I don't know what it is yet. But what we're starting to discover is that when people have slow digestive motility, the food stays in the stomach. The strength of the esophageal sphincter is is 20 milligrams of water. That's the pressure that they use. Like, Like the way a blood pressure cuff uses milligrams of mercury, the pressure that they rate the esophageal sphincter is 20 milligrams of water. When the contents of the stomach builds up gas more and more and it goes above 20 milligrams of water, it blows the esophageal sphincter open. It opens it up a little bit and and gas comes out and food particles come out and acid comes out and all of a sudden you got heartburn. If you're one of these people who notices that you feel like food takes forever, you eat, you ate six hours ago, you're laying in bed and you're burping up your food. It's still in your stomach. You know it. What, what doctors typically do is they prescribe something called a gastric prokinetic agent, GPKA. What the GPKA does 
is it increases the response of peristalsis and it increases the the digestive motility process. It literally moves food through the stomach faster. Here are some things that actually work the opposite way of a gastric prokinetic agent. Opioids. Opioids, opioids slow down the peristalsis, slow down gastric motility. If you're using Kratom, you know this. You know that you food takes forever to move through you if you're using Kratom. If you're taking opioids uh, for pain, you know that it slows you down, makes you constipated. This is a result of slowed down gastric motility. If you have GERD and you also notice that it feels like it takes forever for food to be digested, you need a gastric prokinetic agent. But here's the problem. Most prescription gastric prokinetic agents also cause rhythm problems with the heart because it works on the vagus nerve. And when you affect the vagus nerve, you affect heart rhythm. And some people have really bad outcomes from taking gastric prokinetic agents. So doctors, you know, they have to monitor you. All this just to get food to move through your stomach and make the GERD go away. Guess what is a very effective gastric prokinetic agent that has very little, if any, side effects? So GHRP6. We've all heard about GHRP6 on the peptide shows. We talk about combining it with CJC1295 and GHRP6. It causes a pulse of, of uh, growth hormone. So GHRP6 is a somatostatin. What it does is it – so there are two things that make growth hormone. Okay, a secretagogue makes the pituitary pulse. Somatostatins, I'm sorry, it's a, it's a somatostatin inhibitor. Somatostatin is like the brake. So if, if, if CJC1295 is the gas pedal, it's telling the pituitary make growth hormone. Somatostatin is the brake. It's telling the pituitary not to make growth hormone. And only when you take your foot off the brake and put your foot on the gas pedal does your body produce growth hormone. And that's why we take both. GHRP and CJC1295. GHRP is a ghrelin. It's a synthetic form of ghrelin. Ghrelin is something your body produces when you're hungry. Your stomach produces ghrelin when you're hungry. Well, when you're hungry, your body wants to digest food. By taking 100 to 200 micrograms 20 minutes prior to a meal of GHRP6, or you can go to Peptide Sciences. Dot com. You could buy GHRP6 by itself, or you can buy it combined with CJC1295. They sell them both in a nice little vial. If you take 100 to 200 micrograms of GHRP6 20 minutes prior to a meal, you'll feel so much better because the food will literally go through your stomach faster. It'll make you hungry. It'll prepare you for the meal. And if you do this before every single meal, Take 100 to 200 micrograms of GHRP6 20 minutes before a meal. All of a sudden, you're going to notice your GERD goes away. Now, do you have to do this for the rest of your life? I don't know. I'm experimenting with it now. Maybe what it'll do is synchronize peristalsis and reestablish the normal rhythm. I don't know yet. I'm going to try to get somebody to come on the show, uh, maybe a, a gastroenterologist to come on the show and talk about this. I found a good study, I'll put it in today's show, that shows they did this with rodents and it worked well with GHRP6. So if you suffer from GERD, 
Give GHRP6 or combine GHRP6 with CJG1295 a try. Just take, let the amount of GHRP6 be the designate on how much you take. Shoot for 100 micrograms at first. Go up to two. I've even used as much as 250, but 250 makes you really hungry, makes you ravenously hungry. But the food goes right through you. It has no effect on the colon. It only has effect on the small and large intestine. Okay? So what it's going to happen is you're going to eat the food. You, you prime the pump with the shot 20 minutes before. You eat the food, and literally you'll be hungry again in an hour because the food will have moved out of your stomach. I really think this can help a lot of people out there who've been struggling with GERD for a long time. Their doctor's telling them to take a proton pump inhibitor, antacids. None of this stuff works because all that does is destroy digestion completely. So give it a try. I want your feedback. If you're somebody who's been struggling with GERD, your doctor's got you on proton pump inhibitors, you know they're no good for you, you can stop taking them. Start using 100 to 200 micrograms of GHRP6 20 minutes before a meal and tell me if your GERD doesn't go away in just a couple short days. And you notice that the food feels like it's being digested. It's moving through you faster. I think this is an answer for a lot of people. Okay, today is Thursday. Tomorrow's Friday. I don't have a show tomorrow. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I hope you show the guys at Piedmontese.com some love. You won't be disappointed. Their food is, their, their beef is amazing. And hope you enjoyed all the shows this week. Please share the show. Share it with as many people as you can. Maybe this little, little tidbit of information I just gave you about GHRP6 being a very effective gastric prokinetic agent could actually change somebody's life. Really. Because people who have GERD, they end up with uh, changes in the esophagus that lead to cancer. They, they don't sleep well because the GERD happens at night. I actually am taking a shot right before bed to make sure that everything is moving through me before I lay down at night. But maybe this little tidbit of information can help somebody and change their lives. So please share the show. And if you do go to peptidesciences.com to get your GHRP6, use the code SHR to save 10% off. All right, we'll see everybody Monday with more Superhuman Radio. Have a safe weekend. Hopefully it won't rain all weekend. I'll be able to ride my motorcycle. See you soon. 